0: Welcome to a football show. The most eventful Thursday edition of the product that we have ever had. That is Zach Lyons. Sure feels like it. I am an exhausted, emotionally drained Braden Gall. It is great to be with you guys. Of course, jump into the comments. We're going to start with Nick Saban and kind of get that out of the way because obviously when the, the greatest coach in the history of maybe any sport walks away, we have to address it, and certainly I thought of you this week uh, in a big way, Zach, as an Alabama fan and a Titans fan. You have gone through a lot this week, so, so it should it's be been, a good. Episode. It's been
1: quite the week. I was mentally prepared for Vrabel not to be here starting last Thursday, so when you, got, you, you know correct. I wasn't on the show, I haven't been on the show two two times, but I went somewhere with my dad, and he's like, what's up with all this Vrabel stuff? I go, He's not going to be the Titans head coach. And I said, we'll, we'll hear for, we'll hear about that soon. Like I just, so I was prepared and I guess that's why I'm not spiraling out of control. Like some of my uh, contemporaries in the media, (laughs) it's just like, I've just kind of was prepared for it.
0: Well, and I don't, I'm, I don't spiral for much of any reason unless, uh, you know the New York Mets give up a game tying home run in the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series. That's like when it's worst for me, which happens every time they make it to the World Series, of course. Um, but I, I listen. It it is utterly fascinating, and we will try to cover everything that happened. Why was Mike Rabel fired? Um, do we agree with that? Disagree with that? Uh, do we trust Amy Adams Strunk moving forward? Uh, how should we evaluate Ran Carthon? I think there's ultimately a critical part of this conversation because ran carthon is along for the ride and has some responsibility but we're not sure how much and we'll discuss that so again how to be like a,
1: a child of divorce all last year like he was just sitting there watching mom and dad fight but not fight because apparently they fought and then they decided we're just gonna push it all down and keep it all inside and let it fester <laughs> like mature adults to do in relationships
0: uh, absolutely. Very productive, healthy thing. Uh, there will be a lot of marriage references, I feel like, on the show today. Uh, I, I have a feeling. Uh, of course, how good is this job? I find that to be a fascinating conversation, but not not a long one, but we'll get to that. And then, of course, what direction should they go in, which Andrew Cooper has already mentioned here. Uh, have to get an offensive head coach in the comments, and I, we'll get to that. We'll, there's already been eight names, I believe, at time of starting the show. Nice. Nine, it's nine. They've added a nine we added one.
1: Remember, we added one while we were talking. That's
0: right. Nine, nine names have been officially requested by the Tennessee Titans to speak to about the head coaching vacancy. So, a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. Make sure that you check out Sinker's Beverages, of course, uh, over in East Nashville. Bluegrass Beverages, their sister store. Up in Hendersonville, they've been serving the communities uh, for 50 years and have been a great partner in both East Nashville and the Hendersonville communities. Uber Eats, of course, you can search Sinkers Beverages and they will deliver the booze, Zach, directly to your house.
1: They drive so you can drink.
0: There you go. Uh, all right. And Kingston Group, BuildKG.com. Don't make any big decisions about your house. They are Nashville's locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. Uh, and all of those words tell you that they're really good at th- what they do. Uh, they communicate really well. Uh, they don't let petty stuff fester for a long time. Uh, they give you a, an upfront pricing and they do the whole deal very, very uh, open and transparent with how they handle your house or a house you might be buying, uh, renovating, et cetera, et cetera. So we know you guys have lots of questions. Uh, QC, uh, Stoney, I see you in there, Jake, Tim, all you guys. So we'll get to all that. Let's start with Saban uh, here, uh, Zach, just because We'll get this out of the way. There's not really a whole you, lot to
1: say. I mean, most people have have heard the like the eloquency of you know, memorializing Sabin, his career, what he means. So we were like, let's put that at the very beginning so we could spend the rest of the time talking <laughs> about the Titans.
0: And there'll be plenty of things that you and I agree on today, and there'll be many things that you and I disagree on today. Again, respectfully, thoughtfully, analytically on the show. This is not hot take and brace debate stuff. Yeah. Well, that's, a, that's your problem. I like, I like, I, the like the, I like the, you know, straddle that line. Yes, you do. Yes, yes, you do. Um, I, you're right. There's no real thing that we need to say about the career of Nick Saban that needs to be said. Uh, he's the greatest coach of all time in college football, probably of all time, maybe in any sport, including Belichick, including John Wooden, including whatever he's on that list of, of folks. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I, I think I wasn't all that surprised I think I've been saying, I think I've said it on this show, that I think he's just going to wake up on a Tuesday and say, I'm not good enough to do my best job anymore, and I'm going to walk away. It turns out I was wrong. It was a Wednesday. Uh, But ultimately, I don't think this is good for the game. Um, I'm not surprised that he decided to walk away. It is jarring and leaves a gaping hole of of gravitational force in the game of college football and in the SEC. And if Jim Harbaugh leaves as well, uh, which is absolutely possible, like today, <laughs> that is,
1: isn't it? I mean, like no, because Jimbo Fisher's not even around anymore. Like it's just kind of like eh, just a bunch of dudes coaching college football. Maybe that's good. I don't know.
0: There are 135 schools, I believe, now in Division One. We're adding two more, I think, this year. And good afternoon to you as well, George. Um, and I think three of them, three of the 135, have have won a national championship. Uh, so if if if, if Jim <laughs> Harbaugh. Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban all leave at the same time. We are down to three. Um, so uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I just think, you know, women's basketball, we talked about Gina Auriemma and Tennessee under Pat Summit. Like, is it good for the game to have a singular dominant force, the dynasty? And I think it elevates everyone around them. And I think it made it made Georgia better. It made people Tennessee go crazy and Auburn people go crazy, but it made them all fight to be better. It made LSU fight to be better. Uh, it made the Big Ten fight to be better. And I think he is absolutely. I mean, again, I don't. There's nothing to say about his career. I just think the value that he has. I don't think we re, fully realize the gravitational force of Nick Saban.
1: No, I mean, like he's one of those people. I, I, I'm gonna butcher the the social media post I saw, but it was like he's that guy that if he wanted to run for president, he'd be president. If he wanted to be CEO of Apple, he'd be CEO of Apple. If he wanted to create, yeah. you know. Yeah electric cars he would be creating the best electric cars you'd ever see and he would make the competition like you said in those industries better because of his presence that's just who he is yep and uh alabama fans uh don't have to brace to like don't need to be bracing that they're going to be taking major steps back in the sec or in the college football world but the foregone conclusion that you are going to be in the the college football Uh, let's say finals, I guess the top four, you'll, you'll probably be in the top 12, but the, the chances that you're going to be in the top four year in and year out, good luck. And, and that's okay. Once you're in the dance, that's all that matters, right? It's what everybody has said about this 12 team playoff. Once you're in the dance, it matters. Now that Harbaugh and Saban is leaving. Yeah, it may actually be true now
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, for, for Kirby, baby. Uh Tim Dodge says Saban versus Tuberville in 2024. I love that. I love everything about it. I do to your point though, what is next for Nick Saban? And I think the game would be better off with him around it in some way. And maybe that means being a Senator at Alabama to get some NIL legislation through Congress. I don't know. But he he the game will be better off if he is around and he's going to be around Alabama for a long time to probably shepherd this process through. If I'm Greg Byrne, the athletic director, I'm a little nervous that Nick Saban's lingering around the facility as long as he is. He'd be a great athletic director. If Greg Sankey ever took a job or moved on, he'd be an excellent commissioner of the SEC. And I think actually he is one of the most qualified human beings to be the commissioner of college football if and when that happens, when they have a 40 or 50 team breakaway and they have revenue sharing and the players become employees, and it's we're we're kind of headed that direction. And if that happens, you need to have a singular commissioner atop the, the the sport. And I think he I think he would be a great steward of the game, a great steward of the players' needs and the coaches' needs and the fans' needs. I think he understands it. He has the tact and the leadership and the communication skills needed to be a leader at the top of an organization. So I, I hope he's around the game in some way, shape, or form, even if it's just broadcasting. So
1: yeah. I agree. He he he'll. We'll. This is not the last we've heard of Nick Saban.
0: I, I I agree with you on that. Um, I think for Tennessee and Auburn and the rest of the people in the SEC, I hope it's the last they hear of him on a football field. Though, <laughs> so, yeah. so, uh, congrats, man. Congrats. If you, the resume is uh, unbelievable, it's that's unbelievable.
1: It was a good time to be an Alabama fan. Like it was, <laughs> that time of being an Alabama fan will never probably. It, it's so highly unlikely it will ever be duplicated. Like. I, I understand do. what Pat- Patriots fans went through. Like they were just so filled with hubris and enjoyment and all this stuff through the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick years. So like, to me, it's just like, I never took it for granted. I really appreciated it. And I didn't get too terribly upset over losses or anything like that. Cause I always knew we were going to go back in it. Yep. No, now I'll be a little bit more, I guess, invested in, Recruiting classes and all this stuff because now it's like every win and every loss matters. It feels like you know what I'm saying. Well,
0: it's and like different feel. it does feel like, and this is the last we'll say of this when we move on to the Titans here. But, um, and I agree with you, George, that the College Football Hall of Fame. Uh, could absolutely be turned and named at the Nick Saban Hall of Fame, I, you know, the way the Lombardi trophy is named after Vince Lombardi. So I think that's or the trophy itself could be the Nick Saban trophy. So um, I think the only thing that, that what's interesting is it sounds like this is going to happen quickly for Alabama. Dan Lanning has already said no. Um, while this was a, a sort of a, a minute by minute decision by Nick Saban, he was, you know, interviewing candidates, DJ Durkin and receivers coaches on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I think that the folks in charge of Alabama, while they may not have known it was happening right away, because there's a lot of reports that he was not going to retire in the week after the loss to Michigan, there's a lot of people close to him saying this was not going to happen. Uh, but it was basically 50-50. But them not being prepared for this is would be stupid. That they, they have been prepared to have the succession plan in place. I don't imagine that's Lane Kiffin. I don't imagine that's Dabo Sweeney. Um, Kalen DeBoer is an option. There's plenty of other names. Mike Norvell would you know, bathe in sulfuric acid to get the job. Lane Kiffin would crawl on his guts through broken glass to get the job. And I don't think, I don't think Kiffin's an option. So we'll see. We shall see. So, uh, who do you want?
1: Well, I wanted Dan Lanning. Then he had to put out that stupid ass video. Uh, brilliant,
0: brilliant marketing. I mean,
1: like, it's really just, just kind of like Sark is at the top of the list. Uh, I don't know about, you know, Kalen DeBoer really. I just don't want James Franklin I'd be all right with Lane to just be fun. Like if, if Hey, listen, if we're not going to be Nick Saban, let's just at least be fun. Um, and I don't want James Franklin. Definitely yep. don't want Dabo Sweeney. Definitely don't even think he should be <laughs> on their radar. Or like Butch Jones, Jeremy Pruitt for the UT fans that poked fun that these are your next head coaches because, yeah. every, because they bungle coaching, uh, searches. They think that we'll bungle coach, coaching searches, I guess.
0: I, I, as a content person, I want it to be one of two people Deion Sanders or James Franklin those are the two people oh, I love
1: Deion Sanders you be, be. listen if you don't think I would be all about some Deion Sanders at Alabama it would be it would be so much fun may not be good but it would
0: be so <laughs> much fun I, I'm a content guy first and a football fan second <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I want coach prime or, I, or I want James Franklin. Cause I would, I think it would be just utterly fascinating, uh, reality television to watch at all times. Uh, okay. So there you go. Um, and again, if you want to listen to us, uh, via podcast, you can get us there, a football show, everywhere you get your podcast. And of course, uh, go over to the YouTube page there, uh, Facebook, wherever you're watching us, give us a subscription, share the show. We really appreciate it. Cause we're about to really dive in here. So share the product right now It's your time, uh, to share the product brought to you by sinkers beverages and the Kingston group. Uh, let's talk Titans the rest of the way here. We have lots to get to. Uh, why did Mike Vrabel get fired is my first question. In t- t- in your eyes, through your lens, why was Mike Vrabel fired? Uh,
1: so this is what I've been kind of trying to explain to people. There's like, there's the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> and then there is, there is actually what happened. And actually what happened What started in 2022, uh, well, I guess 2023, uh, the when the season was over, according to this piece by Joe Rexford, which when we say most of the stuff that we're going to be referencing is going to be a lot of stuff that comes from this Joe Rexford piece on the athletic. So I just wanted to make sure that if, like, if I just say, oh, well, it was said or this and that, it's mainly over there, but it's because. I mean, he was fired because he did not match and align with what the Tennessee Titans wanted to be after they fired John Robinson and when they hired Rank Carthon. And what I mean by that is that they knew who he was, but he did not want to bend the knee, so to speak, to the new philosophy. He did not want to just, you know, give in and let someone else tell them how he should philosophically build and run his team, his staff, his offense, his defense. He didn't want anything like that. And and listen, that is not a knock on Mike Frabel. That is just how, and that's why I've been trying to tell people, this is just how the NFL works. If you don't want to give in, and a lot of people don't, it's like 90% of head coaches aren't going to say, well, you, you can't come in here and tell me how to change my philosophy or how to change my personnel or how to run my staff. I'm out of here. Now, he did not say I'm out of here, but he didn't do things to make you think that he wanted to be here. But he's not here because he does not match the future vision of this team, which is she's trying to build a Super Bowl winning team in a modern way. Not the Patriots way, not the Bill O'Brien Texans way, not the Urban Meyer Ohio State way. She's trying to build it in the San Francisco way. And that's, and that's what they're trying to do. And he did not meet, he did not want to, he did not want to conform to that philosophy and idea because he did not think that was what is best for him. And that is fine. That is fine for him to feel that way. I,
0: I think, and we'll get to Amy Adams-Strunk's part of this, mostly. We'll get to how to evaluate Rand Carthon and all of this. I think if I am on the field, I again, you can point to a losing record in two seasons, bad record in the last, you know, one and a half seasons for sure. You can make complaints about some of the staff decisions that he's made. He's also hired a lot of good coaches as well, but a lot of there's a lot of questionable ones. Um, there is this communication breakdown between the coach and the owner that I I will always put communication on both parties, uh, it, it, no matter how much, you know, There's a percentage in there somewhere. Maybe it's eighty percent Amy and twenty percent Mike, or whatever. But like, there, it's it's on. It takes two to tango. It takes two in a marriage to have an argument to then come back together and work on communication. Um, Although there is this, someone has to initiate it. You Uh, know what I'm saying? Like, no question. There's times
1: when you're you're wrong and you have to be the one to initiate it and find out why someone else is mad and not talking to you. And there's times where the other person does. I mean, it's just it's. I, I don't understand why this is such a hard thing to grasp for some people because this is essentially they needed not a football czar or whatever was thrown out there by Jared Stillman. They needed a uh, president of of uh, child education like they have no clue. They they were two big children throughout this whole thing, and it was an utter mess from the get go uh,
0: on the field. I I think there is an interesting conversation about the evolution and I don't like while Vrabel certainly is wired a certain way and coached a certain way. I'm not sure. I agree that he was given the full opportunity to evolve into the new San Francisco way. I don't know if we know for sure if he wouldn't have changed. I, I think that's a safe assumption, but he was also open to the analytics. According to the piece, he was interested in, in, in all the analytics. He's one of the savviest in game analytics managers, that we've we've seen in the league one of the most well respected decision makers manipulating the rules and those are two different things but you get what i'm saying in game uh off the field it sounds like he was open to to using analytics far more uh, and to adding those pieces to the front office and that gets us back to the front office not really being willing to tell apparently the coaching staff or anybody in the media or the fans about how they're actually using it i'm not asking for state secrets here but like a little insight is would, but also would, we kind would be helpful
1: I may, maybe and then the general fan doesn't know, but I mean, like if you know anything about analytics or if you read PFF, I mean, like if you open up a PFF thing, you kind of figure out what they're trying to accomplish and do.
0: Sure. And then off you know the field. Uh, yeah. Off the field stuff, you've got the coaching staff and you've got the communication. And I do, I do believe. And again, I think it's very clear that we, I, I need to make, cause I don't agree with the firing. I don't, but I, I I'll, I'll state that now, but I also want to make very clear, that Mike, Mike Vrabel is not blameless in any of this. How he handles people, he's a little abrasive. He's a little a gruff guy. He's kind of a, you know, he's one of those type of guys, and that can be uh, difficult to be around over time. And that's on Vrabel to evolve. It's on Vrabel to evolve philosophically as a coach. It's on Vrabel to communicate it, as well. So he's not can without blame. say
1: something to correct you on something? Because sure. you said that the piece says that they were open to analytics. That's not what the piece says. The piece says... He and his coaching staff believe they used database decision making as much as anyone else. And we know that to be false. So they're, 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 to me, they they think they're better in analytics than, and they're on course with everybody else when that hasn't been the case. And we know that's not the case. Now, well, they get a lot of stuff right in obvious go-to-go situations. But to but I don't think that they were. It does not feel nothing in here dictates one way or the other that they were open to the idea of more analytics.
0: Well, it it says he and his coaching staff believe they use database decision making as much as anyone is often and get credit around the league for being one of the top situational teams in the NFL. I, I, however, the coaches never felt informed on how the new personnel department was using analytics in its process, a source said. So again, I, we can parse that out if we want to. I, I think there's some truth in both sides of that equation um and (laughs) zach will be back with this momentarily i I think Um, i can you hear me i can hear you just fine yep okay (laughs) um so you get the camera back up and i'll i'll um i i think i mean we can still
1: talk i mean i'm just saying here that there's nothing here that says that they were open to the idea of using more analytics
0: right he but my point is the other my point is is he was we knew the personnel department was going to be using analytics, and I would argue that the personnel department, Rand Carthon, Chad Brinker, and company have not had had any conversations with the media or the fans about how they're using analytics. They, they, they are. We know that, which is good, but they've got to tell tell us more about sort of, and again, I'm not asking for state secrets here. So the other thing is, is that Rand Carthon deserves the opportunity to fix all of this and put his, his entire organization into place. And so, uh, this is gonna be great. Cause he's not here to, to, <laughs> there he is. <laughs> he's back. Um, so I, I think ultimately that's where I fall on. I, I think why he was fired was this was just a giant shit show and that it maybe wasn't sustainable. And I will, I will say on, on Monday's episode, I thought firing was bad business. It wasn't, wasn't an option because I thought it was bad business. We've learned more about how the trade would, would have unfolded the NFL, putting in new rules in place. And how how that would have moved them to the back of the line to quote Amy Adams Strunk in terms of hiring a candidate, um, could they have gotten it done in theory? Probably, but maybe it's not uh, you know maybe it's not as feasible in real life um, in practice. Uh, so I think it's all this stuff. It's everything. It's all of it. You know that maybe they didn't share vision. I, I will say, and I will get to Rand in a second, but I I was fired my first job out of college, and it wasn't because of anything I did. Uh, I made like one small mistake, but it was they they, you know, I apologized and they accepted the apology and we move forward. But my boss, the guy who I was producing for, has said since then I was the best producer he ever had. And he could have stood on a table to keep me in that job had he wanted me to. And I don't believe that Rand Carthon, like, got the news on Twitter the way we all did. (laughs) Like he wasn't there's no way he didn't know there was some sort of like inkling that Amy Adams Strunk maybe felt this way. And so while he was not involved, according to the story and according to himself and according to Amy, that this was exclusively an ownership decision, which I believe don't tell me that if he really wanted Mike Vrabel, he couldn't have fought hard for Mike Vrabel. That, that, that could, have Oh, I, I agree.
1: Well. I don't think you really wanted Mike Vrabel. I mean, I, I don't I, think anybody is, is there. You go. I don't think anybody has said that he wants Mike Vrabel here. Right. Uh, right. he would be stupid to, because it, it's, it's, you cannot and this is what amy Adam strunk has created right so i guess we could just go ahead and get to the amy Adam strunk portion of this sure. and and she she has created this whole thing everything that's happened cuz last year when it was do, when it was over and all that kind of stuff she decided the titans want to make this season the 2023 season about evolving and modernizing their process behind the scenes Building a roster with increased reliance on analytics was a big part of that. And she even considered firing Mike Vrabel to start fresh at the end of the 2022 season. So just, you know, whatever, after she fired John Robson, she thought about firing Mike Vrabel right there. If you have even an inkling that you were going to fire Mike Vrabel, you should have gone ahead and done it. And here's why. Because that's the first start of the bad process. Because here's why: because you are bringing in a general manager that is just so diametrically opposed, opposite of him in terms of how and where this is going. Like they're just they're they're two polar opposites. So that was never going to work, regardless. And what's funny. Is that if you go back to all everybody's podcasts, everybody's articles back when he <laughs> was hired, we all said, well, this must be a sign that if they're hiring Rand Carthon and bringing him in, that Mike Vrabel wants him here and wants to evolve. And then we see all this stuff that comes on through and it turns out that, hey, Mike Vrabel's like every other NFL coach who thinks his way is the best way. And his way is diametrically opposed to Carthon's way. And it created this kind of your roster building with one arm tied behind your back when your GM and your head coach are not aligned. And so that's why you get some, some of these players kind of make sense, and then some of these players don't make sense. And then this guy's responsible for this player, and this guy's responsible yep. for that player. And all this to say comes back to Amy Adams Strunk for creating this if you... You either needed to bring a GM that was aligned with your head coach or you needed to bring in a head coach that was aligned and fight, get rid of your head coach that's not aligned with your personal vision as an owner and, and find that head coach and bring them in at the same time together instead of trying to force one person to work with another person in an ego-driven business. It makes no sense, and that tells me that she thought her ego would let her – her ego let her think – and I'm stealing this from Stony. Her ego let her think that Mike Vrabel will respect me because I'm the owner and he'll just get the fucking line. And that was wrong. That was wrong.
0: All right. So a lot of things here with ownership uh, for me, because I ultimately I trust Amy Adam Strunk to make a lot of really smart business decisions for the organization and the city and the community and the fans. I think she's proven that with a track record of quality decisions. I think her football decisions uh, leave a lot to be desired of late, and so and how she's managed and handled this entire situation. And yes, maybe you're right. Maybe he should have been fired at the end of last year, and there should have been a clean slate for Rancarthon to hire his guy. And And they should have been
1: like, I would not have agreed with firing him last year, and and they Uh, I would have probably gotten over it pretty quickly. But I mean, I wouldn't have (laughs) agreed with it at the time, and nobody would have. Everybody would have thought she was crazy.
0: Well, I, I I still think. It's especially with the details in the piece by Rexrode and Russini about the pettiness and the lack of, and the festering and the communication because it paints her as an individual because we kind of know what happened with the Eagles and John Robinson, the straw that broke the, the back of three years of bad decision-making by John Robinson. We don't have to rehash that. Um, but to your point, if she's been thinking about this for a while, the problem is, is that her actions, right. were, were, were her actions were, outwardly and directly to Mike Vrabel committed. I want you to be my coach. In fact, I want you to be my coach so bad that I am pissed off that you don't love me as much as I love you.
1: And there's and that, also like an asterisk in it. I want you to be my coach as long as you're doing what I want you to do. Like, I, I, I feel I like you. that's a big stipulation that people are kind of leaving out too.
0: But to in November, she is all on board with Mike Vrabel, totally believes that he's a good coach and is committed to him, and is leaking as much outwardly to prove it to him. Cause that's what she's saying to you. That's what she's saying to him privately. And then two weeks later is when she decides after a, 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 win that she left and a, and a Houston. And again, we said it on our show after the Houston game, this has to be the bottom. And it turns out it was for all for, for everyone. <laughs> it was, it was the bottom because that's when apparently she makes the decision uh none of she has to consult out other thought,
1: like don't you if you lose an oilers uniforms at home to houston don't you think that she's going to kind of be toying at, with the idea of course we didn't know all of this stuff but i mean we kind of even threw it out sure, there that week sure. and i wasn't even oh, being we facetious. Did. i was just saying she could you know look at this especially yes. with the losing streak last year that, that could be something that breaks breaks her
0: now Ultimately, when it comes to because what, what what's the actual thing we're kind of talking about here behind the scene? We're talking about, for lack of a better term, we're talking about culture. We're talking about the, ad, the administrative side, front office side and the coaching side working together. And in my opinion, and apparently, according to the piece, both guys very willing to to work together and to adapt to work together. That's clearly not the case. Very
1: willing to be friendly
0: clearly not the I wouldn't
1: I wouldn't say go as far as what you fo- fo- I I think they were cuz you even said last week or was it Monday that it's not fun to go into work there so I wouldn't say that they were getting along in all the decisions. Sure, sure, I, think sure. just, I think they were just, I think they're fine. Like, but I put that I on my dad, but I did not like working for my dad.
0: <laughs> I put that on. Bo- exactly. You should not be in business with like your best friend, unless you guys are like so good that you can just get, uh, I, you don't also have to be friends to fucking be successful. It, do- it doesn't right. have to work that way. Yeah. You don't have to be friends with your boss. For they were
1: friends, but not successful. <laughs>
0: right. But I, that's on both of them. That's as much on Rand Carthon as it is. As it is on Mike Vrabel to, to some degree. A relationship takes two. Same thing and utterly and and ultimately my my perspective on building the culture and the communication and the, not letting the pettiness lead the way and not dictating like that's that's the owner's job like she's the owner she can do whatever she wants no one's above the owner she's the owner but ultimately it is on the two people and their staffs to work together to get along to make it all work and it didn't happen so they're both to be blamed but which one factually do i trust and has more experience building culture like boots on the ground culture. Mike Vrabel has infinitely more experience and, and skins on the wall, building culture with a team that would not give up uh, against the Jaguars team. And and I'm not using this as the reason he should have stayed employed. I'm just saying one guy has an experienced track record. Those players, uh, like I've talked to a lot of people in that, that went to that locker room, those players, like the way they talked about how Vrabel kept them together and how they were working not they wanted that game more than Jacksonville did, and Jacksonville's playing for a playoff spot. And that I that's seventy five people, that's eighty people working together that Mike Vrabel has built a, a cohesion and a culture around to to find some level of you know success together. There's nothing that Rand Carthon has done so far that indicates he knows how to do that yet. He might be great at it. I don't know, but there's nothing. And I know we'll get to so how we evaluate job him. It's to do
1: the culture. It's the, coach, it's the it, next head coach's job to do the culture.
0: No, no. In, I'm talking about the communication stuff inside the building. Like oh, okay. all the stuff that was like, what I'm saying is I'm using the locker room as an example of where Mike Vrabel clearly knows how to do the thing. And yeah, he and, knows
1: how to do the stuff on the football side.
0: Right. And, but, but yeah. building culture is about caring about people. It's about listening. It's about communicating. It's all the same stuff. And clearly
1: Clearly that, he doesn't do that on the business side of things though. Cause we mean clearly but, he doesn't right. No, like, yes.
0: Yes. He, he's a little stubborn. There's, he is not without fault in this. There's no question about that. But if that is the reason you have fired someone, which we've already alluded to is not all of it. There's other things. Yeah. But if that's ultimately the reason and you have to call other teams to get advice, I, I, I right now my trust in a person I trusted a lot is at an all time low in, in ownership. I, I, they are, they, she will be given the the opportunity just like Rand Carthon will be given the opportunity and fans should be excited about the opportunities we're about to discuss. But I don't have any faith and trust in her right now to do that correctly and to do it well. And I, I have, she has to re-earn that from the Titans fan base, in my opinion. So
1: I look back and it's like, I look back at all the bad processes that she has had dating back to, I mean, the 2016, 2015, 2016, whatever you want to call it. Th- that whole when she's took over a lot of bad processes. And those bad processes has, have continued, but it's like when the um they yield good results. And it's like when everything is calmed down and everybody's level headed, that's making the decisions they make what theoretically are or have been good decisions. I think Rand Carthon is better than John Robinson. We have a long way to go to get that proven, but I, that's just my assumption. So we're kind of like question mark there. But I think we could say going from Webster to John Robinson and firing John Robinson, all good results. I think it's awesome that, that processes, right? I think,
0: I think it's great in a, just in general, this is an aside here that like hiring, person a and firing person a can both be a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, I think that's a, that's yeah. that only like happens in like sports. I think it's fascinating. So, so.
1: G- cutting, uh, getting rid of Ken Wisenhunt, putting in Mike Malarkey. That's actually probably a good process. Good result because it got, ended up getting you Mike Malarkey who helped build and get, turn this culture around. We don't give him enough credit. We, we give Vrabel a lot of credit, but Vrabel came into a very good situation as well. Yeah. Um,
0: be a playoff and, win a playoff win over the yes. chiefs
1: so. so and they he has 50 percent as many playoff wins as mike Frable. um <laughs> the mike malarkey the uh and then they made him head coach which was probably good result i would say good result but it, the process behind it was terrible we know because there there's lawsuits and everything and all that stuff surrounding it and then they fire malarkey which is bad process because, you know, she goes out and she says something, yep. you know, yep. to try to, like, get him to quit talking to the media. By the way, great PR team. And they do all that stuff. And then she releases a statement, which was silly. And, but they get rid of him and they get Mike Frabel. Good process. So yep. I feel like that once everything has calmed down in these, like, bad processes and everything, when the smoke clears, there's a good result. But what I have noticed, Braden, and this is why this is my big thing. What I have noticed is, is that that good result only lasts for like a couple of years. Yeah. And then something deteriorates. So this Rand Carthon and Amy Adam strunk and the new coach have to prove that this combination is sustained success. Not, oh, we get a bump up in year one because of the yeah. cap and the, the draft picks. So, like, I trust her. But I don't at the same time like I'm very 50 50 well, on he, Amy's football stuff, and I almost think that's like she goes off the cuff at some at certain points and she, then she, she acts rash down. And then she's, here comes Steve Underwood or Beir- Burke Nihill to get it back on track as these these advisors that help get help her make the right decision in a more calm manner. Right? Well, and Burke,
0: Burke is. Burke is not a football guy at all. It's not. He doesn't have any expertise. Well, why is he
1: not a football guy? Because Steve Underwood, when he started out, was not a football guy, and he learned to be a football guy.
0: Well, here's what you just laid out, and I think
1: Burke and I. He'll be a football guy.
0: I I, because I think hiring a general manager and a head coach is a different skill than running a business. I just think they're different skills because you have to know about wildly different things. I could do it,
1: and I I, and I'm not. I mean, if if I can do it, you you can do
0: it you probably have more, you've probably studied more film than Burke Nihal has, (laughs) Um, but but ultimately ultimately, your point about this, all of these processes, I think honestly cements the fact that I don't trust her, that just because you stumbled into some good decisions and the results ended up being solid for a short period of time, doesn't mean I, again, I think that to me makes me feel even more uncomfortable with this decision. And again, I come most of the time I come at coaching changes from a, from a perspective of probability. What is the probability you are gonna hire a coach that will do a better job for this franchise than Mike Rabel? What is the probability you're gonna hire a better GM when you fire John Robinson? And sometimes you have to end a marriage knowing that you may go back out in the dating world and never find love again. And and that is part of a divorce. When two people get divorced, it's just like unsustainable. We got to do this for the kids. We got to do this for both of our happiness. It doesn't mean we're gonna get remarried ever again or find love ever again or win a championship ever again. But sometimes it just needs to happen because it's not sustainable anymore. And that's the thing I will change my opinion on from the previous shows and say, look, when I thought it was bad business to fire him, it's because I thought some of this stuff could be fixed because I thought the GM was learning on the job. I thought ownership would hire some folks around her to be more football, to have a more football centric advisory group. I thought there were things you could do. And keep the most proven commodity in your building in the position that he's in, which is the head coach Mike Vrabel. Now, having, if it's to, so, having
1: gone through a divorce, that's not that's not if once once someone decides that they can't make a marriage work, once one person decides, you are fighting a the worst uphill battle of your life, right? To try and convince them otherwise to stay with you,
0: and and this is where I am kind of come. I've come like. I know you've done a lot of shows <laughs> since the firing. You were, you've done one with Stoney. You've done one with Herndon. Go check those out. Of course, football and other F-words. I have not been on the air. I, I had to do one about Nick Saban yesterday. Go check that up, episode out if you want on the YouTube page. But, but I needed some time to think through all of this stuff and to consider it. And I think the thing that I will come around on is that if it was unsustainable behind the scenes across... All, and I would blame everybody at this. I would blame all the people that are in charge. We can put varying degrees of blame on different people, and that's fine. We can do that. But if it was unsustainable and beyond repair, then yes, you had to do something drastic. My it was ol-
1: likely beyond repair during the GM thing. Like, I feel like the GM search when he came in, I, I feel like this sums up a lot for me. And I think this I think this is everything. To me, this is the big thing is that, uh, if I can find it, freak. Where Here's is Tim.
0: It? Here's Tim's irreconcilable differences of overall strategy yes Uh um,
1: titan's ownership Titans, oh, fuck where is it uh, oh. oh okay vrabel made two comments to struck to strunk that created friction between them three team or leaks and or leak sources said vrabel wanted full control control over the roster saying that he'd earned it he's wrong about that strunk- Strunk pointedly disagreed, and I agree with her assessment.
0: I agree. I agree with you agreeing with her.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Strunk has carried a belief over the years that head coaches shouldn't have full control pointed to the way things went for the Titans in the later years of Jeff Fisher's tenure. Important to note, she's learning from the history and watching from afar issues that transpired with the Patriots, who had to get rid of Bill Belichick. After the demise of Tom Brady and Bill O'Brien with the Texans, and we know how all that went together. Fully, fully agree
0: on on Mike Vrabel being absolutely wrong in that situation. One of the best. That's
1: when it started. That was that to me with his with his coaching history under Urban Meyer, who had a lot of control at Ohio State. Bill O'Brien, who had a lot of control with the Texans. Bill Belichick. He played under Bill Belichick and is really close to Bill Belichick and what the Patriots do or the Patriots way. When you see those names and what they all have in common is control. So when he did not get control, that was the point. But he didn't get the control. I don't know when. But if he got the control early enough, you could find another head coach. You should have probably gone on and done it. Or you should have let him have the control. So you could have your cake and eat it, too, and that's what she wanted.
0: Let's get to the second part of that, which is... That when she decided that she wanted to hire Rand Carthon, they have a conversation about yeah. it. Vrabel, is, I'm paraphrasing here, but Vrabel basically says, hey, I really like him, but he I hired don't
1: think he's... Carthon as the assistant GM a promotion right. from his position as the number three in the
0: 49ers and, order. And no disrespect to Rand Amy here, but I trust Mike Vrabel's perspective on that particular topic more than anybody else having this conversation. And why? Just he's personal, never
1: been a GM in his fucking life.
0: Just my personal opinion. I, no, neither That's has it, neither has the life. other. Two. Back it up.
1: <laughs> Neither okay, has like, the other. What factual, of the other logical two, connection do you make to
0: that? Because Mike Vrabel has an, an inordinate amount of experience in an NFL so building in the front office. And so Amy Adams Strunk has not.
1: You How do you reconcile, how do you reconcile logically that he should not have full control because of his history and how it never works to he
0: recognizes what a good GM is supposed to be? Because uh, he's running the team, I guess. I, I mean, I I think again. I'm just saying from a I don't football know, that doesn't mind, make a
1: lot of sense. A, like, that Amy, let,
0: me, well, let me let let me fucking explain it then. Amy Adams Strunk does not have any high level football ad- advisors in her inner circle in the organization. She may have people outside that apparently she's talking to, which I, I, again, if it's a t- if it's an advisor at another team that's gonna about, about to hire Mike Vrabel, I'm not sure if I you, you kind of have to be careful with that. It has to be somebody you really trust. But that's neither here nor there. But like uh, the other thing is, is I certainly don't want a, an owner who can't handle a little disagreement from somebody about a particular decision. You you have the right to dis I think good leadership and good ownership says, Hey, I'd like your opinion on X. And that person gives that opinion, knowing that they have the freedom to agree or disagree because good ownership has set that environment up. That's on Amy Adam Strunk. If he if she takes that personally from Mike Vrabel, that's on her. Now, if he's running around screaming and yelling and being an asshole about it, that's a different story. But like In theory, this is a, hey, I would like your feedback on this hire. This is the direction I think we should go. Modernization, blah, 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 whatever. They sit down and he goes, look, I really like the guy. I think he's not quite ready yet. I think it's a good idea for him to be the assistant GM. Uh, I think I should have full control. She goes, I don't think you should have full control. But I like what you're saying elsewhere. It's and if also you let,
1: two different instances, right? Like may, a, maybe, yeah, control maybe control is before the before this. Sure,
0: sure, sure. But th- that's all. I'm assuming that's all happening in the general manager search. Like it's all in that time period, right? But ultimately, there's no reason for Amy Adams Strunk to be so offended by one of the her her top her most important employee giving giving like his honest opinion. About a decision that—that's not something that should ruin a relationship and a good leadership, good communication Depending situation.
1: Depending on how it's framed, and we know Vrabel's not very tactful. Uh, so, and we know neither, these discussions, neither, and this neither, is, neither, is, neither she. And, <laughs> you shouldn't say Vrabel. We know that head coaches aren't very tactful. Head coaches are blunt. Head coaches are this, and and when you're in these rooms, I'm sure it's like this for draft war rooms and all this kind of stuff. But when you're in these meetings, things are going to get heated. You have your guy that you like someone else has their guy that they like Ryan Cowden and the things are going to probably get a little heated and probably neither of them handled the communicating of their ideas in a good way.
0: I I think, I think there's some assumptions there that probably are true and I I think I'm okay with that. I'm just saying uh, in general, good leadership should not be offended to ask somebody what their opinion is on something. And when you disagree, hey, I'm going to make this decision anyway. I respect your opinion. I I appreciate you being vocal about what you think about this, but we're going to go this direction. I need you to get on board. That's how that conversation goes in any other company. And and that's generally how it should work. And again, if it doesn't, the friction builds, the pettiness builds, but that's as much on Amy as it is on Mike. It's on both of them. I, I fully agree. So ultimately that brings us through all of this you know, stuff about Amy that that I think great business savvy, great business person led the organization. Well, unsure if on the football side of things that I still am there. She's got a chance to prove me wrong here. Right. Like, I'm fine with that.
1: I of the of the thing she has to let Rand Carthon do the search.
0: I, and to. I think and I think that would be that would be normal and, and a She'd smart thing to room. do. Yeah. U- ultimately, that leads us to how do we evaluate Rand Carthon and do we trust Rand Carthon? to make the right coaching decision and hire. Now, here is where I will absolutely acknowledge that. And I guess we'll get to this. Maybe maybe we'll get to this more with the, the direction they're going to go with the offensive mind. And we'll get to that. So I just we'll just start here. I, I still haven't seen enough in a year that allows me to trust Rand Carthon to do the job to hire the right guy. It doesn't mean he's not going to hire the right guy. It doesn't mean that Amy and Rand don't work perfectly together and win three Super Bowls. It's absolutely possible. I like I live normally in the probability range, and are is, I I have not seen enough in a year to trust either Amy or Rand to do this job at a championship level yet. Now you sort of have a different perspective on how to evaluate Rand Carthon, so I'll let you go first on how you think you should well, evaluate
1: My my thing is is that like I. We, we know that in a GM's process, whether it's in the draft war room, in their meetings of free agency, the GM wins some, the head coach wins some. That's the part of collaboration. Not everybody wins the whole time, but you have to have the compromise. So we're, we're in this murky water with all this stuff coming out and who's in control and who's doing this. Like, Does Mike Vrabel have 52% control or does Mike Vrabel have 90% control? You know, at the end of the day, does his does his opinion carry more weight or does Ren Carthon or does Ren Carthon get five guys and he gets two guys and you know all this stuff? So right now I would say I would look at it from this perspective. And I was kind of thinking about this: like, how should we you, you kind of venture off into trust? Do you trust him to do the process? And how should we evaluate Ren Carthon? So I think that's two entirely different topics. Okay. Okay. So I trust Rand Carthon to be able to get this right for two things. One, his background. And I think that's so important. He's learned under Thomas Demetriov, he's worked his way up from a scout to uh with the 49ers your director of pro personnel and now a general manager. You don't do that without having business savvy, knowing what you're doing, knowing about football, knowing about players. Like I I think his, I trust him based on his background and what he's likely looking for in the next head coach is something similar to Kyle Shanahan. So I trust him to do that job. I also, part of the reason why I trust him is because this is an easy candidate pool, and we'll talk about the candidate pool to find the right guy. And it's been fairly proven for the most part that more like 90% hit rate. We were kind of talking to each other about it. 90% hit rate. The offensive coordinator head coach that you hire is probably going to be pretty damn good. (laughs) So
0: yeah, offensive young offensive whiz kid has been very successful in the last few years in the NFL. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I would say that. Yeah, I think there is a possibility that that could happen. So I think there is a high chance that he gets it right. Either. By both of those things, or one of those things, it may be his experience is not really prepared him for the job. He just looks into a good head coach and he learns on the fly. Okay, so maybe. But I, I believe personally that his res his resume and experience is undeniable at this point. To think that he's just a doofus or incompetent oh, and that, I'm and not saying I'm not saying that you're saying that there are other yeah, people who use those words. Definitely that not. Nobody has it, used that words on the show.
0: And, and um, everyone who gets hired uh, as a head coach or GM is like a rising star at one point or another. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> how should we evaluate Rand Carthon is now we, we evaluate now. This is the point of evaluating Rand Carthon. Whatever happened last year is like, unless you're inside the building with Amy Adams drunk and you know, everything that is going on or whoever is, is in charge of all that. We don't know what rank Carthon did without we, we have, proper probably pretty close to good idea which free agents were uh rank carthons of which were probably frables? you know what decisions were carthons and what decisions were available but it's all conjecture so at this point he has to get the head coaching uh higher correct that's also on amy to do as well uh, to some varying degree and he then has to turn around and take this 80 million dollars take the draft picks Build around a quarterback. So this his evaluation starts now because the he wanted the the blow up that everybody else wanted. Remember, everybody wanted a blow up and he wanted it and Mike Vrabel did not. And and we all thought that it was stupid. Well, we know now that Rank wanted to blow it up. And so now the blow up starts now. So the, the like his clock starts at zero right now.
0: Yeah, and I and I I completely agree that and I can separate the year. That has, he's been on the job and how I evaluate that with everything moving forward. I, I agree. Now, so my, they kind of eventually work back to each other, the trust and the evaluation. Because I completely agree. Right now, all that matters in how you evaluate Rank Carthon, because the facts are Amy has fired the head coach. She had a big decision between John Robinson and Mike Vrabel. She thought it was personnel, so she fired the GM. She sided with the coach. She's now said multi- multiple times how much she loved Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel didn't love me back, so Mike Vrabel's out. We didn't get along. Now she's siding with Rand Carthon and the new new direction, the modernization, and all the things that he brings to the table. And <clears throat> so evaluating him is easy to your point. It is hiring this coach has to be right. And then it's personnel decisions and draft. And apparently, when she makes when they make the coaching hire, I assume what we're going to hear is Amy Adams Strunk, as she told us in the hostage video with Baghdad Bob, that there will be a very clear. Uh, uh, explanation for power and control of the 53-man roster. All those roles will be clearly defined when we lay out our vision for you. And Rand Carthon echoed those sentiments in his press, press conference. And when that happens, I'm assuming it is going to be Rand Carthon has final say on the 53-man roster or final say on draft picks. or but
1: it, it should be whatever works in San Francisco, which apparently Kyle sure. Shanahan has it. And and to me, like I think that's what Rand Carthon's most comfortable in. I feel like there's this weird thing where Mike Vrabel and Rand Carthon kind of want the same thing, but they don't want the responsibilities that come with the same thing. So, like, when I say that, it's like Mike Vrabel wants control, but he doesn't really want to be in all the meetings about everything, and he doesn't (laughs) want to have to watch all the films about everything. uh,
0: Ultimately. I
1: kind of feel. And I kind of feel like Carthon wants, like, he wants to be able to do all the personnel decisions and everything, and be able to control it, but like, hey, when it comes to your final fifty-three, I'm letting you do your final fifty-three.
0: Yeah, and and ultimately, like, it, what it is. And and the draft picks is different than the free agent dollar amount, which is different than the final fifty-three, which is different than the forty-eight, and they're all sort of different. Bullet points. I think ultimately what you want is two people who want to work together to make the best possible decision. But in the end, if there's a heated debate or discussion about a guy, then there's two players left, one person eventually has to have sort of the power to make that decision. Because I actually think that that is overvalued as a discussion point over the last year and a half. I think it's overplayed a little bit because ultimately, if the two people can't work together, we see what happens. So you have to have two people that are working together and see, you don't have to agree on everything, but you have to be able to work together. Now, how all of that is about is going to be very clearly laid out and very easy to evaluate Rand Carthon moving forward. My ultimate, like so far, if you bucket out what a GM's responsibilities are personnel, building a front office, and communications and PR, so far I have no faith and have not seen examples of Rand Carthon doing any of those three things at the highest possible level some of which is because it's his first year on the job. Well, some of which is you like Chad hang on, hang on. And
1: Anthony Robinson, right? Hang on.
0: Hang on. Some of this is because of his first year on the job. Some of this is because it might've been a hostile work environment. Some of this is, is just a tricky situation and they're rebuilding and the roster's bad. And they didn't have as much cap space last year. You know, there's a lot of reasons why, but there's not really a bucket yet because what we've learned is that Vrabel and Ryan Cowden had more to do with the draft than we thought. It wasn't just Rand Carthon's draft. He was involved. He was a big part of it, but it wasn't we his We knew draft. Vrabel
1: was involved in the draft, though. That's not new.
0: What I, what I mean is, is I think if you evaluate a GM, you go, okay, well, he had a really good draft class and he signed some good free agents and he hired a good coach. Like those are the three big things you well, generally And
1: I also have always value. maintained that if, if Vrabel has more say, Vrabel has power, right? He didn't have total control, but he had majority power. And I said, you cannot separate the personnel decisions made in 2023 on um, players from Vrabel and Rand Carthon. He can't, he, well, he can't shield himself by using Rand Carthon as a
0: shield. Right. The way Amy's so, using Rand as I, a shield. That has always <laughs>
1: been the case in my mind. That, that's not new information. Like to me, cool. the Calden thing, we know that he's just up there, you know, doing boards, keeping things updated. He's in data aggregator and everything like that, so... No, no, uh, Man, managing
0: the draft board is not making the decisions. I want to make sure that's yeah, clear. Yeah. Um, but but do I have questions about Rand Carthon's experience when it comes to doing all of these big buckets? And so far, the PR communication side of things was terrible. Now, he was put out to dry, frankly, by Amy adams Strong. Yeah, and I point. also don't agree that's a requirement for your GM. I'm No, just but
1: a, I, I just, I'm, it's, to me, it's just like, I guess I'm to the point where... I, and I guess maybe this is maybe a better way to put it. I don't care, really care about the content of a presser, but I understand that there are times when a guy is supposed to go out to a presser like a Kevin Byer trick. But I don't yeah. care about the content because we know yeah. we're not going to get much out of these pressers, right? So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I understand that there's the responsibility that a GM needs to go out or an, an owner needs to make themselves available and go out. I understand that part of it. But as far as the content, like, if if GMs and pre- if pressers... And media availability really meant anything to on field success or behind the scenes success, then Mike Vrabel would be a pretty terrible
0: coach. <laughs> <laughs> well, and yeah, because he's a totally different guy. That's for sure. Um, and I think what's interesting again, like, it, I, is it the most, no, I'm not putting that bucket as valuable, I just wouldn't even
1: put it as a bucket out there personally, but that's just, that's just what I'm saying. Well, I, I mean, I wouldn't really, but, put but, it
0: a, but it's more important for a general manager because you're making these big picture decisions. You're making personnel decisions. You're building analytics stuff. like, we, here's, we haven't, we don't know anything about how the analytics, to, they've not given us any specifics on how it works. He he put Mike Vrabel out there, or Mike Vrabel chose to go out there for the Kevin Byard trade. He explained that at the press conference that this was Mike's guy. Mike wanted to do it. If that's true, great. But and again, his answer about the offensive line to this press conference was atrocious. That essentially we oh you got to have cohesion, and if they were good, if they were, if they'd stayed healthy, they they would have been they would have been good enough. Like player development was good enough, the relationship was good enough, everything was perfect. So why did you fire the coach? And, and again, Amy made the decision. So I, I just. That he can answer what's the vision? You don't have to be standoffish about the vision. You can say, look, we want to build an offensively modern team and we want to win Super Bowls. Like you they could can give have us, just
1: repeated you know. what they already wrote. Right. Like that right. statement was everything. Right. That right. statement right. it's so mind it, it, it drives me nuts because we're at this point where everybody's like, because the PK put you know put out a tweet recently with the, where they're showing off the new stadium. Like anybody fucking cares about the new stadium right now. Like what poor timing by the Tennessee Titans.
0: Yeah. Uh, Con- Conti like, says, "Braden, come on, man. He's not going to shit on the team at the pressure. That's not what I'm asking him to do. I'm asking. Uh, that they-
1: is kind of what everybody was kind of wanting him to no, do. No, no. I'm it's-
0: talking about it. I'm talking about a full year where he, he, he probably didn't handle the Derrick Henry thing correctly. He probably didn't handle some of the offseason stuff correctly. He probably didn't handle the Kevin Byers. He should have trade traded correctly. Derrick Henry, but he, he hasn't wouldn't let been- him. He hasn't been available. I'm a background guy. I'm a background guy, and then he does a full long sit down interview. He did admit that he thinks
1: he handled that stuff poorly, right? And that's a great
0: and that is a great sign that he can come and say. Because again, I don't want him to shit on the team. I want him to take ownership of the decisions. And and you just want him
1: to be more available than what he was but he does not have to be as available as John Robinson was. I think there is a good fine line <laughs> fair, between fair, fair. he, he he was the total fair. opposite of John Robinson. Fair. So like, I think there's a fine line of a GM, but like ultimately, let me, the this thing a- describe me about the vision thing looks great. Is and this is what PK said to this Nissan model, whatever looks great. Is there a GM with a shareable vision in there? <laughs> the, the vision has been shared. Can we all agree? The vision has been shared. It's just that these, these, <clears throat> whatever happened, between the discussion between Amy Adams Strunk and the PR people before she went out there and said all that stuff to Mike Keith, why didn't nobody say just read the statement, <laughs> right.
0: just read these words, use these I words? Uh, so ultimately, <clears throat> ultimately, if the draft was more Vrabel and Calden, than I, I'm, I'll just use me. I previously believed, and he didn't have as much "quote unquote" control over the free agents in the final fifty-three. And the communications and the PR side of things, which again, I think is like 10 to 15 to 20% of the job. It's not the biggest part of the job. It's just a small part of the job. It hasn't been good at all. We, I, I, I guess adding analytics and hiring Brinker and Robinson has been smart and good. We don't really know because he wouldn't communicate that fully, even with his own coaching staff. So right now, ultimately, he could fix all of this with great decisions. I'm not saying it's not going to happen. What I'm saying is, there's no evidence for me personally, in my opinion, to have faith in any of. We we don't know. I don't know. We got a, a fifth round draft pick at San Francisco, and, and I think that's Great. fair
1: because when I'm when I say that, like you know, I'm basing it. I feel comfortable basing it off of his what his prior work. We haven't seen enough here in Tennessee to say one way or the other, and I agree. But I have confidence based on his prior experience and where he's learned from does not mean that I'm like, oh, man, whatever he does is definitely going to be hit out of the park. You know, he's got nine candidates here, right? So we we can get in these nine candidates real quick. Let's let's go. And this ties into it. Well, I
0: wanted to ask you how good uh, this conversation about how good the job is, I find to be sort of meaningless. There are only 32 head coaching jobs in the NFL in the world. Yeah, Um,
1: and and nobody's going to be like, I just... I would say maybe nobody, Ben Johnson did choose to go back over going to the Panthers, but then he's interviewing with them again. Well, and like Adam I, I, Peters last year, turned down all the GM interviews. And now he's taking interviews. So like
0: no, I was, I was going to say the, the only James one that players, I guess I was going to say, the only one that I really truly would put below anybody else is Carolina because ownership is insane. That being said, this this situation doesn't exactly inspire confidence, uh, but you have and Amy Adams Strunk has made this very clear in her statement and her hostage video. Very clear talking points. Those are the things that she did actually get right on both of them. Which yeah. is we have a coaching search. We found a young quarterback. We have a top ten pick and a lot of cap space. That is yep. As as cell- and you live in Nashville, by the way. And she a, does
1: not care about spending money on stuff or she wouldn't fire, but she's still paying a general manager. She's still paying a head coach, you know, technically right now, how long that takes. We'll see. But I mean, like I yeah. she, she's not afraid to spend money.
0: No, no. And maybe so not. ultimately this is, and, and look, look we we will get to the, this is a good job. It's an appealing job. It doesn't mean that ownership isn't a little quirky when it comes to communication and football decisions. She's not a little petty and lets them things fester. Needs to work on that. And it doesn't mean the general manager is good at his job yet. We don't know that. And I don't think we have any evidence in the one year that he's been here that he's going to be great at this. I, I just he may be, but there is no evidence of any of it. He's got a full year on the job. And I can't point to a single thing that was like brilliant because the Here's muddy the run. water,
1: the waters were muddy from the get go like that. And that's the problem. That's true. That's Again, true. that's Amy Adam strunk. We can't separate anything. It's kind of like remember when Tim Kelly became passing game coordinator and everybody's like, "Well, all the good all the good plays are Todd Downey and all the bad plays are uh or all the bad plays are t- Todd Downey and all the good plays are Tim Kelly." Well, we don't know. Because nobody communicates. <clears throat> this this franchise right now could really benefit from some additional transparency. Yeah. About what happened, what's going on? They could benefit so much, especially when you're asking people to look at this stupid stadium video rendering and uh, double up their PSLs and all this stuff. You you could you could use so much transparency right now, but yeah, yeah. So we don't know. I mean, that's the point. Here's why I do know, and I think Kenneth puts this best. And and I'm he says he says you, but I, I'm gonna say we may not feel comfortable with Ran because we just don't know. We don't know, but. I agree with Kenneth. I feel more comfortable with Rand than Vrabel becoming Bill O'Brien 2.0. Like, I I feel that that is, it may not work, but there's no guarantee that Mike Vrabel is going to walk into the New England Patriots and, and be able to rebuild something. I don't know if I feel that comfortable just saying, and I think Vrabel's the, right now, after at the end of this season Vrabel's the 13th best head coach in the NFL based on his entire body of work and the body of work of his contempor- 18 of his contemporaries I, I i and that just means other people kind of got better than he got worse other people got better i feel like in my opinion but i think i think in the at the end of the day i don't know if if he wants to be successful at the next stop he needs to go to the Seahawks or the Chargers i don't know Maybe you could get away with Atlanta, but they don't have a quarterback. I don't know they, if I'm they, going they got everything a full rebuild.
0: They got everything but a quarterback in the top 10 pick, maybe to go up and get one. Um, yeah. I, listen, it's, I think ultimately right now, who do I think is a more proven commodity? Rand versus Mike. I am going to go Mike Vrabel 100 times out of 100. I think Mike Vrabel is the uh, most you know, proven
1: commodity so. as a head coach. And, and then Rank Carthon is a proven commodity as a GM.
0: And But That's to your where point, I where I am torn, just – in, in, as we, as we ask for transparency, we offer transparency. The thing that I am torn on is if, if Mike Vrabel ref- would, would in fact refuse, and then we'll move on to the job, the candidates here. If Mike Vrabel truly re- is refusing to evolve, both from a communication standpoint and an offensive philosophy standpoint, and wanted full control and was making demands that forced his way out, then you had to make the move. If yeah. there was some way for this to work, I don't think you are going to hire many coaches that are like on a, on a statistical probability basis that are going to be better than AFC Championship game, number one seed, multiple division titles, and four playoff trips. That's just hard statistically to replicate. So it doesn't mean it can't be done, but it's it, that's where I'm torn because I'm torn on the conflict behind the scenes and I'm torn on the relationships and I'm torn on the, the, the personality not evolving and I'm torn on all that stuff. But I also know that the probability of hiring a better coach than Mike Grable is pretty low. doesn't mean it's not going to happen though. Which brings us to the candidates, know. which brings us to the candidates. The one thing I am very excited about, if I'm a Titans fan.
1: What do you look for in a head coach <laughs> as we as we talk about these candidates over the next I, few years? Because you said it's a very I, high probab- prob- probability you're not going to find better than someone uh, to find someone better than Mike Frabel. So what does Mike Frabel do as a head coach? that makes him so irrep- hard to replace. Not irreplaceable, but hard to
0: replace. Sure, uh, but uh, this answer brought to you by Seekers Beverages and the Kingston Group. I haven't mentioned them in a while, so I want to make sure we talk about Seekers Beverages and Kingston Group. Um, I, I So I think the, the CEO, culture, leadership, communications, individual ability to, to teach young players to have their backs, I, I think he has a rare leadership skill. That, that unifies a group of people, that the leader of men thing, you know, whatever you want to call it, it's a little cheesy, but I've talked to too many players for too many years that come from other places all over the NFL that are like, this is unlike any place I've ever been. This is a coach who communicates and deals with me and cares about me unlike anywhere I've ever been. And he can coach my position better than any other, like all of the positions better than anybody else that I've worked with.
1: All it, the defensive positions. If, if you
0: could, if you could give me, so
1: I don't know who wrote that. He he's good at coaching. I think it was uh, Albert Breer. I uh, said that he's great at coaching all three phases of the game. Let's put a little damper on that. Well, here,
0: here Ultimately you, what you're asking is now that we're moving forward. And again, the one thing I'd be yeah. super excited about if I'm a Titans fan is with Will Levis and, and him in position and this new offensive modernization vision that whatever it might be that they explain, whatever, that that the opportunity to hire a young whiz kid offensive mind is absolutely taking a different approach, which I think is the only reason you should actually break break with Mike Vrabel. If you go get Dan Quinn, I, I that, totally that'll make that'll make my head explode. A lot um, of people
1: are trying to talk themselves into Mike McDonald right now. I, I know Justin Graver. I know Mike Herndon is good Let coach. Me tell you something good coach. Let me tell you something. He could be a good coach all he wants. His staffing. His staff, because he's the next guy I'm writing yeah. about, it's yeah. not great. His staffing, and his the staffing places he can pull from, not. Very and
0: good. Antonio Pierce seems to have the candidate from Vegas, who is the interim coach. Who, by the way, I think the Raiders should probably just hire. But what the yes. what that what where what he brings to the table is the exact thing that Mike Rabel brings to the table. And he need to
1: be a little bit better because his his players like go on the proactive. They're not reactive about. They're like proactive about it.
0: But but basically, again, he's a younger carbon copy yeah. of Mike Vrabel, linebacker. Let's, let's go
1: through these real quick. Leadership, Mike McDonald. I am I'm personally out on. I'm personally out on any of these defensive coaches. Mike Aaron McDonald, Glenn, Aaron Glenn, Dan Quinn, and um, uh, Dan Quinn, Aaron Glenn, Antonio, Antonio Pierce. G- yeah, yeah. So, so I'm it, out on all
0: those guys. So Antonio Pierce, he's the interim coach of Las Vegas. Uh, he's a, to me, he's just an inexperienced younger version of Vrabel. Don't understand Thank that you, move.
1: Andrew has been driving me nuts. It's the Doobie brothers. That's what Aunt Mike McDonald was. A, <laughs> yes, a that's part right.
0: Of. Actually, almost all of these names feel like they're no another person. No more mics. Th- this Mike Kafka, is- you're out of
1: here. No more mics. No Mike. Mike <laughs> Mike Munchak. Mike Frable. No more mics.
0: Every one of these names feels like they're almost another human. <laughs> it's very yeah. strange. Like Mike McDonald is almost Mike McDaniel, but not. Uh, ben Johnson is almost Brian Johnson, who's actually a candidate, but but is not. Yeah, Brian, Brian Jackson, Callahan. Ben Johnson. Bri- Brian Callahan is a- almost Bill Callahan, but is not. <laughs> it's just Callahan it's just Motors. Strange. So, uh, Mike McDonald, defensive coordinator for Dallas. He's thirty six years old. I think he's out. Dan Quinn is. Oh, sorry, he's the Baltimore defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn, Dallas, defensive coordinator, 53 years old, former head coach at Atlanta, out, in my opinion. Antonio Pierce, younger version of Rabel. He's at Vegas, out, in my opinion. Aaron Glenn, 51-year-old defensive coordinator for the Lions, out. That does not give you the new direction with those names. No. So that leaves Brian Johnson, Philadelphia offensive coordinator, 36 years old. Ben Johnson, different human, Detroit offensive coordinator, 36, uh, 37 years old. Bobby Slowick at Houston, offensive coordinator, 36 years old, Mike Kafka, New York giants, offensive coordinator, 36 years old, Brian Callahan, Cincinnati, offensive coordinator, 39 years old. All of them have been, uh, requested by the Titans to be interviewed. There's a chance that Frank Smith, the offensive coordinator at Miami could be added to the list. Eventually it would, I I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. All right. So number one, do you let it, this is the only strategy they should deploy. Correct. Uh, and then number two, give me the names that you like out of that group.
1: Okay. I am really into getting someone off the McVeigh tree. And now Brian Callahan has kind of a he's learned a lot over at Denver as well. So he's kind of like a Denver guy, sort of uh, from back in the day. But he spent the majority of his meaningful coordinator job from 2019 to now over at um, with the Bengals under zach taylor who was a new head coach and he's known zach taylor since spring break of 2005 um, which is insane they have partied together they've started a football camp together they are really really close um but that zach taylor is from the rams and he was one of the hot shot guys and i feel like brian uh callahan could build probably I haven't really gone into Ben Johnson, Brian Johnson. I haven't gone really into anybody's, but I have a feeling that Brian Callahan is going to have probably the strongest pool of coaches to pull from for his staff. He's been around the league with his dad. I mean, he's you're talking about a kid that would come around uh, in spring break and talk to Rich Gannon all the time about football.
0: Like, there he is a quarterback's coach zach taylor raves about him being involved in the entire offensive process
1: he's involved in almost everything he is the bobby slowick but with more coaching experience so like uh, that's where it is to me so like brian callahan i think right now is my preliminary number
0: one so uh, bobby slowick i think is a brilliant offensive mind i i'm under the uh, there's been I think some people have done some digging on him. I think he's
1: the first interview, by the way, Brian Callahan, because if he's interviewing tomorrow, I think he's the first interview.
0: Brian Johnson has a lot of experience in this process. Bobby Slowick, again, what folks have said in reporting about him is that he's not quite ready yet to be in charge of the entire thing. That, that is sometimes you are, sometimes you're not, sometimes you just have to be given the opportunity. Uh, Being
1: like, look at Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor's first two years
0: were abysmal with the Bengals. Being early on the next offensive mind is a positive step here, but ultimately here's one of the reasons why this is the smart strategy. And when you ask, what am I looking for? What I want is a guy with Mike Vrabel's leadership and style and ability to manage people and communicate and lead and teach and and care about his players, but that calls plays on offense. That's it. Like I want an offensive version of Mike Vrabel is what I do want. You, and-
1: do you? Does, let me ask you something. Does your head coach that no matter who of these head coaches you get, does he have to call plays?
0: No, 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 no. But I okay. think what we're seeing amongst these names, when I mean, you look what at that- I'm
1: talking about is on game day, when right? He's right. the coach. Do you, do you want him calling plays? <sighs> I, does he have to, I guess, does he
0: have I don't, to, is ha- not the and right. Brian
1: Callahan's technically never called plays, even though he's been involved in the play calling process. He's involved yeah. in the headset and all that kind of stuff. But if he brings over a play caller with him and lets them kind of, they well, kind of collaborate like some coaches do. Is that okay? Well,
0: Well, let me, so when we were talking about this, and I think this is an important thing to note for, for this direction and strategy, because this is to me the right strategy. You're on board with this, which is to go offensive. I'm on board with offensive head
1: coach no matter what.
0: Young offensive wizard. But here's what do all these guys have in common that have been hired in the last few years in the NFL? Kevin O'Connell, Zach Taylor, Matt LaFleur, Kevin Stefanski, Mike McDaniel, Mike McDaniel, excuse me. Um, Shane Steichen might be on this list. Eventually Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay are the start of it. And then Nick Sirianni might be on there as well what do they all, almost all of them have in common? They are the young offensive whiz kid who calls the plays on game day. And so, but they never
1: really call plays them. So I'm just, I was just saying like, they never called plays when they were like in their prior position, but they call plays now. So I wondered if that was like a requirement, but I do also want to say this. It's funny. Whenever you Google, uh, when I Google and you know, certain things and I'm asking, like does so-and-so call plays, right? Like, the first thing that pops up every time is either a video, or an article. It's time for so-and-so to give up play calling. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I think that eventually if there is someone more qualified to do the job and works better with your quarterback, then like absolutely go for it. But what what you do stop by this strategy is number one, you stop the rotating carousel of coordinators. If you go with the defensive guy, you're right back where we started. And I still think Vrabel's better than all those guys. If you go with yeah, the, so, so you stop the rotating carousel of, uh, or rotating door of, of coordinators, Um, but also it, it probably to have a, a more schematic relationship with the, the, the brand new quarterback that's going to start his first year in camp. I I mean, that's the other angle here is that that's what you want. So in that situation, I think for now, I'd probably like the guy to be calling plays. Um, but ultimately it doesn't actually matter who calls plays. just have the best guy do the job. (laughs) Um, but what makes all these guys special is
1: I'm Brian Callahan, Ben Johnson, then the next tier down, I'd go Bobby Slowick and Brian Johnson. And then it's like, uh, I guess Mike Kafka. But I I mean, maybe I get turned around well, Brian, on Mike Kafka when I do some research on him.
0: But Ryan Dayball is the genius there. But Yeah. Um, I think Slowick is going. So the key was. So I, I'm with you. I think I would go Brian Callahan one and Ben Johnson two. I think I would go Slowick three, knowing that you're going to have some growing pains.
1: The problem with Brian Callahan is that you're competing with the Chargers. So, like, is he going to wait for the Chargers to make a decision before he makes a decision?
0: Maybe. We'll see.
1: Man, what a tough.
0: I I am emotionally drained and I'm going to go to Sinkers Beverages. I'm going to buy a six pack of long drink and I'm going to take that sucker down this weekend. (laughs) Uh, I can't, like, can you, can you, Jim Harbaugh's the overwhelming favorite to go to the Chargers. And he is out. him and Belichick are out as Titans candidates, which makes sense because Rand Carthon wants control. Uh, Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group there, of course, are great sponsors. And there's gonna be a book written about this week, y'all. Like like, and I know we're in our little Tennessee bubble, so Rabel's a huge story to us and and sort of all the weird oddities of the shit show that was behind the scenes. But you're telling me that the eight eight, eight head coaching jobs were open. The greatest coach of all time in college football retires. The greatest coach in NFL history retires back-to-back days. And, oh, by the way, the reigning national champion might be leaving to go to the NFL. Like This is one of the most insane weeks of coaching news I have ever seen in almost 20 years of being on this job. So, uh, (laughs) with that, (laughs) yes, you're right, uh, Deagle. Not healthy for me to drink a six-pack of 10% alcohol. (laughs) It's not, not healthy, but... Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm emotionally spent. I, I have doubts about the future of the Titans organization.
1: (laughs) I'm not as up. Uh, I'm just enjoying the ride. Like I'm just not as up in arms as everybody else is. I'm just, no,
0: I, I have no vested interest in the Titans being good or bad other than I, I want my city to be happy and I want the audience to be happy. Um, and will Levis being great is good for content. So I'll just be transparent there, but, but personally, I part of the reason you listen to the show, hopefully, and you come to this, and we appreciate all of you guys in the comments, rate, review, subscribe, share it, everything, we, we do appreciate you guys, is that I'm not going to give you, I'm, I'm just going to tell you what I really think, and sometimes I'm going to be right, sometimes I'm going to be wrong, but like it's going to be honest every time, and that that is hopefully why people come here uh, and listen to us. So, uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm going to have a few beverages this weekend from Sinkers, and it's going to be great. Go. So, there you I'm go. I'm going
1: to get this head cold cleared up so I can.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Kingston Group as well. Uh, Football, another F word. Stack in the inbox. You got all kinds of candidate stuff there as well. We know this was a long episode, but it's been a huge week. So thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, Otherwise, I think that's it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy what is a fantastic three straight nights of NFL football. Enjoy that. We'll be back on Monday. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks for listening.